Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to Mosaic. I want to thank you for joining us for church today. Wherever you are, whether you're in Indonesia, whether you're in New Zealand, whether you're in, in Dallas, what I love about Mosaic is that we are a tribe of people all over the world moving forward together because we know that we can do far more together than we ever could alone. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Joe Smith and I'm one of our pastors here at Mosaic. And, and these last couple of weeks, we've been journeying through the scriptures together and, and having conversations that I feel like are so important for what we're going through in the world right now. And, and I really believe that today, for a lot of us, can be exactly the conversation that God has been trying to have with us, that if we will be open to what he has to say, it could change everything in our lives. See, I've just been wrestling recently with this, this idea of what it looks like to be chosen by God. When you think about that even verbiage of that there's a God who would choose us to be in relationship with, there's a God who would choose us to do things bigger than ourselves, that there's this choosing that happens when we are in relationship to God that is maybe one of the most important choices you can ever make in your life. And, and for me, a lot of this conversation is wrapped around sports and and I grew up playing sports and, and there were seasons in my life where I was really good and there were seasons in my life where I was not very good. And, but, but what is common in all of it is that when you play sports, you, you just desperately want to be chosen. You want to be seen. You want to be on, on that team that you know is going to win and, and it doesn't always work out that way. And, and, and I remember even recently, we, we were playing flag football as, as, a, as a group of friends and and, and it came that time where, where the captains were choosing teams and, and they started picking players and they picked one person and, and then another person and, and then another and another. And, and all these people were getting chosen. And I'm just thinking, like, I don't think I have an injury. I don't know why I'm not being picked. And, and everyone's being chosen. And then finally they, they get to me a little bit later than I would have thought. And, and my first thought was even, like, I can't even get, like, like a pastor, like, sympathy vote. I, th I thought maybe I could pull that in, but no, not even that. And, and I'm looking at other people going, why did you choose them but not me? And, and it just took me back to all these moments in my life when, when I feel like there was something inside of me that wanted to erupt. There was something inside of me that was desperately waiting to be unleashed. And, and, I, and I thought that I had to be first chosen. But uh, later in life, I've begun to realize more and more that it's far more important that you choose yourself than you wait for someone else to choose you. And there's this passage in the scriptures that it highlights one of the most powerful leaders and people that we've ever come across. And, and we know him as someone who later would have one of the most profound moments in all the scriptures when he slays this giant named Goliath. But I want to talk to you for a few moments about what was happening inside of the life of David that got him to the place where, where before Goliath ever happened, there was something going on inside of him that was preparing him for just the right moment. See, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 4, it says this, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, 
Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. And then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so he sent for him and he had him brought in and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went to Ramah. See, here in the life of David, you, you get access into what God looks for in the heart of a man and a woman that he will use in a profound way. See, we, we enter into David's story where it says that Samuel had been told by God that I'm going to anoint a new king. That, that Saul, who was king before, is no longer going to be a part of my future and I'm, and I'm looking for a new king. And, and so he said, Jesse, one of his sons, will be the new king. And so, and so Samuel goes and, and, and he has this moment with Jesse where Jesse brings all of his sons out and, and he looks one after another after another and he says, no, 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 and goes through all the sons that Jesse presents. And he says, do you have any more sons? Because I know that God sent me here and he said, one of your sons will be king, but I don't understand, it's none of them. And, and then Jesse says, well, there is the little one. There is the runt. There's one translation where that literally called David a runt. That's how he was viewed by his family. That's how he was viewed by those around him, that, that they did not see anything in him that would think that God could use him. But that's what I love about God, that God does not look for what we look for. He actually looks to the core of a human being and he sees the best parts of what makes us human that look like him. And in that moment, Jesse brings David, who is tending his sheep, who is caring for the flock. And, and then it's in that moment, God tells Samuel, oh, it's him. It's David. And you can see and sense not just the shock in Jesse's eyes or not just the shock in his brother's eye, but you can sense the shock in David's eyes as if he was saying, finally, someone sees me. See, there's going to be so many moments in your life when you're desperately going to want to be in a position to be used by God. There's going to be so many moments in your life and you're going to feel like there's something inside of you that God has placed in you that in the right context will, will allow you to move forward with strength and courage. And you're, you're going to wonder, are you ever going to be seen? Are you ever going to be chosen? But what I'm here to tell you is that God has already chosen you. Now it's time for you to choose yourself. See, there's so many times in my life when, when I've looked at out side sources to validate a narrative that God has already placed inside of me. So you have all that you need to make an impact in the world. You have all that you need 
to be exactly in the place that God is going to leverage your future in a powerful way. All you need to do is to do what David did and it's to take on this posture where you understand that the internal work that God has called you to is far more important than the external work. See, I know that, that there's something God has called you to do, that I know that there's something in your life that you have been chosen for. But I also know that there's going to be moments in your life when you feel overlooked, when you feel forgotten, when you're going to feel like David when you're not even invited to the party. See, and if we're going to talk about what it looks like to be one of the chosen ones, where, where you step into the, these moments where you know that God has positioned you for just the right time. The first thing that, that you need to do, and that when you're in that place, when you feel overlooked, when you feel forgotten, is you just got to be faithful with what you've been given. See, faithfulness is, is this thing that God has called us all to do. See, there's things in your life and my life that, that we have to be faithful over. There, there's responsibilities that we've been entrusted with. There, and, and we'll never be given something more to do if we first haven't honored the thing that was given right in front of us. And before David is ever anointed king, he takes on the responsibility of shepherd. See, when everybody else is, is paraded in front of Samuel and, and it's as if this is their moment to shine, David was off in the field doing what he was called to do. He was being a servant. He was being faithful to what he had been given. And I think far too often we, we look at God and we look at the world around us and we think people are holding out on us because there's other people that hold more responsibility than we do. And we don't realize that we first have not been responsible with what we have been entrusted with. And that's the thing right in front of you. See, it's that thing that, that when no one else is looking, when no one else is in the room, when you bring your best self not because of the spotlight, but because you know there's a light inside of you, this light of character that, that when you work on it, it's, it's as if you bring the light to the room rather than you looking for light to come to you. See, David was, was living out this reality that, that when we live a life of faithfulness, it will bring us into rooms that we have no business being in. See, David was just a shepherd. He knew that his responsibility was this group of sheep that without him wouldn't know what to do. And he took that on seriously and he understood that, that there's value in what I have been given. And he didn't look for other responsibility. He looked at what was already his responsibility and he handled it with integrity and he handled it with with excellence, and he was determined to be the best shepherd that there was. And he stepped into this season of his life where he wasn't looking for more. He was simply looking to be more himself. And if you can take on this posture of a, of a servant, if you can take on this, this reality that you just need to be faithful with what you have, that that you need to do all the due diligence, that whatever has been in front of you, that's what you're going to tackle with tenacity. 
And you're not going to look for other things to come into your life until you first take care of the things that were put inside of your life. In that same flag football game that we were playing, when I finally got chosen, there, there was one guy that got chosen a couple picks before me, and, and nobody really knew him. And it was funny even as we're deciding which guys to choose on each team, and, and there's a couple guys that were running their mouth and that said that they had played football in high school and had offers to this college. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about, like those those people that they talk a big game, but then when it comes to the field, it, it seems like they don't always back it up. And, and these guys were just talking and talking. And then I look over, and we have one more pick, and I look over, and there's a guy that, that is doing these stretches. And he's doing things with his body that, that no like, grown man should really be able to do. And, and he's being flexible, and I'm like, how can you do that? And he's just off by himself, and he's stretching, and he's, and he's He's working, he's running, he's doing all this stuff, and, and nobody has picked him. And, and I looked at our guy, our captain, I said, I said, him. Pick him. And he said, well, nobody knows him. I said, I know, but look at it. He is preparing as if he's about to do some work. And we picked which, this guy who has now become a friend named Kyle. And, and when I tell you Kyle had the game of his life, I'm telling you, Kyle was born to play football. And in that Flag football game, he must have had six touchdowns and three interceptions, and, and he was the MVP, and, and all the guys who were talking and yapping were quiet by the end of the game because Kyle had shown up. And when I remember that moment, I, I, I'm remembering the power of what it looks like to do all the work ahead of time. I'm reminded of the moment of what it looks like when, when you understand that that preparation that you understand that your commitment to being faithful is exactly the material that God will use when it's your time to shine. And I think so many of us, we, we simply want to be chosen, we want to be picked so that we're in the room for other people to see, but we don't actually want to do the hard work to actually develop the craft so that when we're in the room, we'll actually have something to bring. See, my friend Kyle has not taught me anything. He's, he's taught me that it's what you do when no one's looking. That will be the very material that God will use to make a difference in the world when everyone is looking. And this is the life of someone who chooses the life of faithfulness. See, this is the stewardship of character. See, what David knew is that he had no idea when God would call him. He had no idea when he would be chosen. All he knew is that what was, what was in his power, what he had been entrusted with was these sheep. What he had been entrusted with was this responsibility that when no one else was looking, when no one knew what was happening, I get a sneaky sense that that was the best of David that showed up. And it was the best of David that elevated. And it was the best of David that revealed himself in those moments when he could have ran away, those moments when he could have chosen less, but he understood that it's who I am in this moment that's going to determine who I am in the next moment. See, the power of faithfulness isn't really about where it's going to take you in the future, but it's about you deciding 
that who I am now, that what has been entrusted to me now will have every impact on who I become later. And I love in this story of David that he's anointed king. He's chosen by God to be the future leader of Israel, but but he's anointed and he's chosen, but immediately afterwards, nothing in his life changes. He's still little brother. He's still shepherd boy. And, and it's a great reminder to us that, that yes, we are chosen by God, but we may not all be chosen by God now. See, our, our moment where God is gonna use us and leverage all of our influence may not be now. See, you have been chosen by God to do a powerful thing. The question is, are you gonna be faithful what you've been given now so that he can trust you with it later? And, and David goes back to being shepherd boy. He goes back to all of his other responsibilities. And, and so we pick up David's story in, in chapter 17, verse 17, and it says, now Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit and see how your brothers are and bring back some assurances from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So here, we have David, who now has been sent to the front lines by his father. And he says, what I want you to do is I, I want you to take these grains and I want you to take this bread and I want you to take this cheese. And even though you're gonna be king one day, even though you've been anointed that that is in your future, right now what I want you to do is I want you to be an errand boy. David essentially becomes the first Postmates in human history. He's sent to bring cheese. Can you imagine how, how infuriating that must have been for David? To, to hear God call him and say, I've actually deemed you to be the future king of Israel and, and to see that his future was in the palace and to see that his future was in the throne room. And, and yet here in this moment, he simply asked to bring cheese. See, anybody that knows me, I have a disdain for cheese. Don't have time to get into it. I just had a bad experience as a kid and I've been traumatized ever since. Cheese boy. See, I don't know what I would have been able to do if, if I had this idea of what my future was gonna look like. If, if I saw this incredible calling that God had pulled me into, yet in this moment, to do something as insignificant as bring bread and grains cheese. What do you mean? I'm, I'm King David. I'm the chosen one. But David, he taught us something in this moment that, that I feel like if we can grab a hold of, it could change what our future looks like. See, David knew that he was the chosen one, but it did not change the fact of who he was at his core. And he knew that even though he was king one day, he would always be a servant. See, your title should never be more important than what your stewardship is. See, what your role is should never be more important than actually what you bring to people. And David knew that at his core, what got him to this place to be trusted as king was that he could be trusted with sheep. Was that he could be trusted 
with cheese. See, when we're talking about David, who exemplified this, this story of, of humility and, and this story of, of somebody who understood that faithfulness is an important aspect of who we become. See, David, David was teaching us that it's not who you are when you get what you want that God uses. It's actually who you are when, when you could be doing a million other things, but you choose to do the hard things in life. See, when you feel overlooked or forgotten, the first thing that you need to do is you got to be faithful with what you've been given. And, and then this crazy thing happens that when you're faithful with what you've been given, it, it, it postures you to a place where nothing is beneath you. See, I love this about David, that he could have had every excuse to blow this off. He, he could have decided that I'm bigger than this. I'm King David, but he did not because he understood that the path towards his future was actually layered through the path of humility. That he knew that nothing was beneath him. And he chose to serve because that's what God looks for. See, that's who God chooses. You want God to choose you? Then choose to serve. And it is your commitment to servanthood that will actually bring you to a future that is far greater than even you could ever imagine. And I love how this passage ends with, with David, who he, he brings the bread, he brings the cheese, he brings the grains. And, and, he, and he's in this moment where he, he lives out a life of humility and a life of servanthood and nothing is beneath him. And, and then in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20, it says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. See, this moment right here is so essential when we're talking about how we can actually step into this space where we realize we're the chosen ones, where, where we can live the life that we are called to, live the life that we are created to live. And, and, and this is so important because here before Jesse goes out to handle his next responsibility, he ensures that he handled the responsibility right in front of him. See, before he left, he made sure that the sheep he was entrusted with were now in the care of another shepherd. See, how often do we go on to the next thing wanting God to use us and we leave a hole in a vacuum in the very thing that we've been entrusted with? See, how often have, have we left a relationship? How often have marriages been crumbled and been broken because we went to something else before handling the business in front of us? See, how often have we stepped into another job that we thought had more prestige, had more money, had more income, but we left a vacuum in what we were before and we think that God's called us to that. We don't realize that he's called us to the faithful thing that is right in front of us. See, God will never call you out of something. He will always call you to something. And I love how David is in this moment and before he steps into his future, he makes sure that the responsibilities he has in this moment 
will be cared for and will be valued. And he lives out a life that he shows us that we should always leave a place better than we found it. And, and it's interesting timing of when David gets to this moment. See, it says that, that he comes, he brings the bread, he brings the cheese, he brings the grain, and it just happens to be at the exact moment that the army is going into battle. There's a war cry. And it was this war cry that would, that would be the beginning of what would happen next in David's life when he would meet this giant named Goliath. And we don't have time to get into what happened in that story, but if you've never read it, you need to read it. But if you've ever watched sports or you've ever been in culture, you've heard the term David versus Goliath, and it's where this little shepherd boy would kill and defeat and save Israel from this giant. But it wasn't just a miracle that David would slay the giant, although it was. See, the miracle is that God would use his faithfulness to get him exactly where he needed to be at just the right time. And I think for a lot of us, we want God to position us to have the greatest impact. We want God to put us in the place when we could be most seen by others, but we don't realize that the thing that positions us to be used by God most powerfully is simply our commitment to faithfulness. See, it was David deciding that nothing was beneath him that would lead him to this place where he would be exactly where he needed to be for exactly the right moment. See, because this is what happens in our lives. When, when, when you live a life where, where nothing is beneath you, see, it prepares you to be at just the right time and just the right place. See, David could never have predicted what God was up to. See, David had no idea the timing that God would use to position him so that he could step into his future as king. All David knew is, is that there was sheep that needed to be cared for, and so he served. See, all David knew is that his dad asked him to take care of his brothers. And so he went and he brought cheese and grains and bread because he served. And then when this moment, when the war cry goes out and, and, and David hears about this giant who cannot be defeated and who's been defaming the name of God. And David says, this is another way that I will serve as I will step into what I've been called to, what God has called me to, what God has destined me to. And I will become king as I become servant. See, the path towards your greatest future will always be paved by your service. It'll always be in this place where you're finally ready to, to step into what you've been faithful with, to step into how God has positioned you, that, that finally, when your faithfulness and when your humility and when your servanthood, it's like this perfect storm where, where you don't do it for what you can get, but you do it because it's what you can give. It's in that moment when you realize that God has positioned you for just the right moment.
a few years ago, we were living in an apartment in Hollywood and, and I was at work and, and I got a call from our nanny who watches our kids and, and she's just screaming saying, come home, come home, somebody broke in. And I, I'm trying to get the details and, and freaking out going, what do you mean? And she tells me that, that a, a homeless guy had, had come and, and he had found our spare key and, and he opened the door with it and, and he walks in with all these bags and, and she confronts him and, and is just screaming, get out, get out, get out. And, 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 he, and he rushes out the house and, and she's telling me all these details. And so I call the cops and I rush home and, and she's frantic and she's a, a mess. And, and, and the cops meet us there and, and in the investigation, trying to figure out what was happening, we, we noticed that, that he had actually stolen all of our, our keys, all of our spare keys, all of our car keys. And, and, and so now we're like trying to figure out what do we do? If, what if he comes back? And so I call locksmith and, and we change all the locks and we can't change the locks on the car. It's, it's too much of a hassle right now. And so we're just trying to figure out like, what if he comes back and my wife is nervous? And, and so I come up with like a sting operation. See, I was a criminal justice major. Many of you don't know that about me. And was thinking about like being a PI, possibly working for the FBI, the CIA, and maybe I still do, you don't know. And, and there's this moment where I said, let's, let's set up a sting. And, 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 and so I said, if he comes back and he wants to take our car, like we have this massive dumpster that was in the parking garage. And so we, I put it right behind the car. So I said, if he comes back, he'll have to move that dumpster and we'll be able to hear it, right? Just, you know, high level investigation right now. And, and, and so that night, about four in the morning, our, our son, who Indigo, who was a few months old at the time, just wakes up screaming. So my wife goes in the crib. She picks him up, and she's trying to console him. And, and as she's consoling him, she hears this noise, somebody, like, walking in our parking garage. And she's like, no way. This, it can't be him. And, and, and she comes in, and she the baby's here. He's here. He's here. And, and I'm in deep sleep, and I'm, like, waking up. Like, what do you mean? Who's here? Like, Jesus? Is Jesus here right now? And she's like, no, the... The guy who stole our stuff. And I said, oh, him. So I hop out of bed. And, and, but I wear contacts and I, my glasses were broken at the time. So I'm trying to find my contacts so I could see, but I can't. So I was like, I don't have time. I just got to rush out. So I hop out of bed. And, and, and I'm just in, if we can just shoot straight for a second, I'm just in like my boxer briefs. And I just rush out the house. And, and, and at the same time I'm rushing out the house is, we have our roommate who is living with us, uh, John Thomas, who, who if you joined us last week, I, I talked about John Thomas and, and he's like my little brother. And so he's living with us at the time. And so it's me and him and he's, and he's looking at me kind of like, why don't you have clothes on? I'm like, I ain't got time to explain. Let's just go get the guy. So we, we rush down the stairs and, and lo and behold, this guy is, is, has opened our car door. He's moved the, uh, the dumpster. And that's how we knew, because we just heard, we heard that dumpster roll, right? Investigation worked, the sting operation worked. And, 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 and then we're out there, and, and my first line, I wish it was something else. My first line, I just yelled, give me back my keys. The most terrifying statement. It wasn't like, hey, let's fight. It wasn't what's your problem. It was just a very methodical, can I have my keys back, please? And And... I couldn't see because I'd have my contacts in. And so I'm like yelling in a vicinity of, of where it is. And John Thomas is like, he's over there. And, and so we go down and, and I say, John Thomas, go get our stuff back. And, and John Thomas grabs the keys and, and the guy's trying to explain, I wasn't trying to steal your car. I was bringing your keys back. And it's like, come on, bro. Like, 
DEA agent Smith right here. You can't fool me. And we're just having a conversation, and, and we call the cops, and, and he runs off. And, and it's funny, we're on the phone, and, and the cops are asking, like, what was the description? And, and John Thomas goes, he, he was about six foot one, he had a flat top, white T-shirt, denim jeans, boots with about six-inch heels. And I'm like, what's up, Sherlock Holmes? How do you know all these details? And he's like, I don't know, just the adrenaline. I was just so focused. And, and, and I'm out there in my boxer briefs and my dad bod, and John Thomas is fully clothed. He's like prepped and ready. And I'm like so confused. I'm like, how'd you get dressed so fast? Like how you were out and how, how in that world did you come out so fast? And he said, no, I, I see, I didn't change. I, I've been dressed, ready to go since last night. And, and I fell asleep with my light on and my door open and my clothes on. Cause I said, if he comes back, I want to be ready. My first thought was like, are you a psychopath? Like who sleeps with their clothes on? Like that's bizarre, but. But then I was like, man, they see that's who John Thomas is. See, that's what I love about that guy is that, is that he's willing to do all the work, all the preparation. He's willing to do all the difficult things ahead of time so that when the moment calls for him to step in, he's ready. See, I think so many of us want to step into the future we have. So many of us want to want to be used by God in a profound way. So many of us want to be the hero of our own story, but we don't realize that, that your superpower is in your preparation. So you don't realize that, that what gets you ready for the moment, what prepares you to be most used by God, what prepares you to be most chosen by God is all the work that you did before the moment that's going to determine if you're ready when the moment comes. And I love this about the story of David. See, what gave David the credibility to be able to slay Goliath was all the work that he had done when he was in the field with the sheep. So what prepared him was all the work that he had done to, to when a bear grabbed a hold of one of his sheep, he said, not on my watch. So what prepared him to be able to fight that giant was, was when a lion came and tried to steal what he had been entrusted with. And he said, not on my watch. See, David was faithful with what God called him in the moment. And that's what gave him the credibility to step into his greatest moments. See, and I know there's, there's so many of you right now that you have been forgotten by God. There's so many of you right now that you feel that God has abandoned you, that you feel that God has overlooked you, that you feel the world around you does not see the gold that is in you. But what I want you to hear from me now is that God sees it because he put it inside of you. See, there is your greatest self that's waiting to be unleashed. And your greatest self will always be found in the context of your faithfulness, the context of your humility, the context of your servanthood. See, this is what will get you to the place 
when you'll be able to step into a future that is far greater than you could have ever dreamed. See, God, he's already chosen you. He's already prepared you. He's, he's already positioned you. The question now becomes, will you choose him? And I know for so many of you right now, this is where your story begins. So your story begins with the reality that, that God chose you before he ever knew you. See, God knew that there would be a moment like this when you would feel like the world is, is heavy around you, that there'd be moments when you would feel like you don't know what to do next. There'd be moments when you would feel like you just, it feels bigger than you. And, and God said, this is the moment that I want you to know that I've already chosen you, that you belong to me. And now he's just waiting for you to choose him. Because in order for love to exist, God says that he has to give us the choice to receive that love. And I know there's some of you here right now that it's time for you to receive the love that comes only from Christ. That 2,000 years ago, when, when he went to the cross, he, he allowed himself to be, to be brutally beaten and he allowed himself to be crucified on that cross. He, he allowed himself to be killed because he wanted you to know that he'll always choose you. And, and then when he conquered death and when he rose from the grave, it was as if love rose with him and saying, it's here and it's ready for you whenever you choose to accept it. And I know for a lot of you right now, you've been waiting for a moment like this when when you can finally receive that love that comes from God through the person of Jesus, we can let his love wash over you where you can receive all of that love. And you simply say, I choose you. So if you're here right now and you're ready to receive the love of Christ, then I just want you to pray this prayer with me. It's simple. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. And when you say, Jesus, I give you my life, it's, it's you telling God that in the same way that you chose me, I choose you. And you begin a relationship where he will remind you that he has chosen you day after day after day. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer right now and, and you received his life, I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to pray that God would, would move in your life in a profound way. I want to pray that you would just be overwhelmed with his peace and his grace and his mercy. And I want to pray that, that you would do the hard work now, that you would take on the posture of humility and servanthood so that when God is ready to use you in a powerful way, you'll realize that he's standing right there with you and he'll never choose you to do something that he will not stand with you and give you the strength that you need. Father, I pray for every person right now who said yes to you for the first time, who chose 
you in the same way that you chose them. I pray right now, Jesus, that they would just be overwhelmed with your peace. I pray that they would know that there is no choice that could make that could actually keep them from your love now, that, that the moment they said yes to you, you're always moving them forward. You're always pushing them to freedom. And, and that I pray right now, Jesus, that you would just overwhelm them with your love. Father, I thank you that, that you chose us even when we didn't know how to choose ourselves. And I thank you that you have reminded us that there is a future that's waiting for us, that there is a future that, that has our name on it. And when we step into it, it unlocks an unlimited number of futures because you are the God of the new. And so we thank you that today, so many of us stepped into the new. And I pray, Jesus, that, that you would remind them that there is no greater thing that you love in the world than them. We thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. Thank you for choosing us. We are yours. And we ask this all in your name. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday, Mosaic. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.